You're listening to The Real King with Joe and Heidi King. Today, we wrap up our discussion with Pastor Tim King. He is an expert in the area of baptism, and we were blessed to be able to talk with him on the topic. Stay tuned until the end where he prays an anointed blessing over all of our listeners. Let's get into it. You know, if people are not taught exactly what the Bible says about what they're doing when they get baptized, they may as well go, go home and just take a bath because they can't enter into that covenant without being obedient. And that's very clear. The best place you can go for that is to go to Acts, and um, in the, I believe it's at the very end of chapter 8, where an Ethiopian eunuch was getting baptized by Philip. Is that and, where they were going from city to city? Yeah. Yeah. But Philip was there, <laughs> and he seen this guy on a chariot riding along, and God spoke to him and said, jump on that chariot with him and help him. And he was reading the Old Testament scrolls about Christ, but he didn't understand them. He didn't understand what he was reading. And Philip asked him, and he said, well, how could I understand without a teacher? Mm -hmm. So he expounded to him what he was reading about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when he got finished, the eunuch said to him, what hinders me from being baptized? And, and it, the classic Amplified gives the best response. So that's the two Bibles that I try to get people encouraged to have throughout these studies, the King James and the classic Amplified. Because if you need clarity, that one's the one to go to. Now, I don't even tell people to get the new class, the new Amplifieds because they revised them. And they've taken things out that they shouldn't have taken out. But then the classic, it gives the Philip's answer. And I, I don't know if you could pull that up. But, you know, when Philip responds to that man of why he should be able to get baptized, the best answer is right there. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with his portion of Scripture, he announced to him the glad tidings, the gospel of Jesus, and about him. And they continued along the way. They came to some water, and the eunuch exclaimed, See, here is water. What, what is to hinder my being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, if you have a conviction full of joyful trust that Jesus is the Messiah and accept him as the author of your salvation in the kingdom of God, giving him your obedience, then you may. And he replied, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered that the chariot be stopped, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Now go back and read just the uh, conditions where he starts saying that you've got to believe in your heart. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart... If you have a conviction full of joyful trust. Okay, now just hold on right there. If you have a, a, a conviction with joyful trust in the one you're coming to. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm going to say this with great sorrow. 
When I hear people doing things like the Great Splash, and they have 50, 60, 70 people come, and they baptize them, and I'm speaking this from experience, because that's how I started out, baptizing people because I was taught to just baptize them because the Bible says baptize them. Mm -hmm. And I've seen such failure of people turning right around, mm -hmm. even on the day they got baptized, and going living like a devil. Yeah. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I will not do this. I don't want their blood on my hands. So I'm going to teach people the right way, what they're doing, who they are, what they're doing, and who they're supposed to be when they get done. And I have to do it that way. I will not baptize anybody without taking them through the classes because I've watched people just destroy their lives afterwards, and I don't want that on my hands. You know, when it says, um, if you have a conviction full of joyful trust. When I think about conviction in my life, it's really interesting because usually when I find myself in conviction, I'm surrounded by community that's okay with something, and I'm not. Mm -hmm. And it's the Holy Spirit in me is grieved, and that really spoke to me when you just had me read that because I was thinking, wow, when I'm full of that conviction, but I'm also at odds with everything around me and it's uncomfortable and it does not i mean i have to take a stand and there's a chance i'm going to break relationship with people but i have to be full of joyful trust that jesus is the messiah yeah and accept him as the author of my salvation so he's writing my story right now mm -hmm. he knew that when I came to this place of conviction, I was going to have to, there's a fork in the road. I'm going to have to make a decision. And through the obedience in that decision is where he's going to place his trust or withhold it. So that's powerful to think about that because when you, when you talk about the big splash type, um, type of baptisms, uh, that's what I talk to people about too when I talk about baptism and when I'm sharing about your classes with people, especially people that are Christian people, is I usually end up bringing it up when somebody's confiding in me about, I've been baptized, I've been saved, but this thing from my past keeps coming up. And, and all of a sudden, then we have to have this conversation. Well, that died in baptism. You should have been cutting covenant with God in baptism, and you should have taken inventory of all the things that were going to die that day. And then that way, if it comes back up, you're going to know it's the devil. You're going to know it's your adversary bringing it back up, or maybe one of your old friends or a family member. But they don't understand the seriousness and the finality of baptism. They don't understand the, the, the severity and the depth of the death, burial, and resurrection. So usually then I'll end up referring them to you for a baptism class because at that point, I want them to go into it knowing 100% that everything for the last 30 years leading up to this point is gone in the sight of God. Um, I was just talking to the wife of one of the people that were baptized, and it was this morning before church, and we were talking about how this man had had such a life. and Or no, it was Wednesday night. We were sitting together, and she was telling me how she she believed he was saved, but she, there was always questions. And when he grabbed on to 
and committed to baptism classes. She said it was such a delight in her heart to know, you know, because they're in their mid-70s. And then she said now that he's been baptized, he's not plagued with those questions because he would question his salvation all the time. Mm, She said he's he's like ready if he goes tomorrow. And I said, well, hopefully he lives another 30 years then. Yeah. Because if he can live another 30 years being being secure in his salvation, yeah. that's a ministry. He can minister to his kids, grandkids, his sons, like everybody that God puts in his path. Now they can talk to a 70-something-year-old man when they start to feel the the despair creep in of mortality. Like he, has a, he has a friend that he's been friends with their whole lives. Yeah. And he he worked with him and he's friends with him. And they worked at the same job for many, many, many years. He's still in communication with him. And it was mentioned that he he said, Hey, what are you guys doing today? And he said, I'm going to baptism class. And he said, What? <laughs> and he said, I'm going to baptism class. What in the world are you doing that for? He said, You know we were all baptized as babies when we got born. Mm-hmm. And he said, Yeah, that's the problem. He said, That's what I'm going to correct. Mm. And the guy said, what are you going to do, become a holy roller? He says, never speak to me again now? And he says, no. He says, if I quit speaking to you, I can't convert you. (laughs) (laughs) He says, you'll see me more than you ever did. (laughs) Can I, hold on, can I, a couple of things. First of all, you know what stuck out to me about that passage in Acts and Heidi too? Because we looked at each other Mm -hmm. and locked eyes. Philip was teleported. Like, yeah. he was translated. Like, yeah. I, like, why has nobody hit on that? Why, that's <laughs> like, not talked about enough. No, it's because crazy. of the fact that we're zeroed in on baptism. <laughs> I know, but it's like... A, that's another whole message. Yeah. No, no, but like, people don't talk about that. Right. Right. People don't... And even I was like, wait, does it say that he was actually like... He found right? in another city. If, yeah, yeah, it he says he was found in another, another city. city. I always took it as like, people were like... Like they got there on their own. Yeah. Do you do you know why? I'm my, like maybe he just stopped his letter that day and picked up when he was in the next city. No. No. He like disappeared. Yeah. From can from, you imagine? From the chariot. Somebody just <laughs> baptizes you. Yeah. Can you imagine the eunuch? He's like, whoa. I know. Isn't that it amazing? Was probably full confirmation to everything that just took place for him. That this God He's that like, just whoa. he was probably like so, angels unaware. Now that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the, no, that's see that there's a difference there because of the. The fact that, you know, you go through these classes, you learn the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Philip had both of them. And, you know, if you go through that other that chapter again in Acts 8, Eight. Yeah. Um, you will see that Philip goes into Samaria and he starts teaching people and ministering to them. And he, it tells you all the miracles that are taking place. Uh, healings, people raised from the dead, and you know, eyes being opened, deaf ears being opened. Oh yeah, and, and didn't they have like a whole house full of people? Is that what you're going for? No, that's another one. Okay, but you know, he's doing all these works. Well, while I was doing this class in somebody's home one time, and there was uh, three or four people getting baptized. But we we went on that passage, and then we come back the next week, and he said, "I got to ask you a question." I said, "What's that?" He said, well, in, the, in this passage we went in last week, we see that Philip was doing all these works, mighty works of God in Samaria. But then they called Peter and John, 
they notified them, and they were in Jerusalem, and they notified them and told them what was going on in Samaria, and they said, we have to go down there. So they took off and they came down there. When they got there, they began laying hands on people and getting them baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay? Yeah. And his question was, why didn't Philip just do that? Now there's where you use the classic Amplified again. So I had him go back to the beginning of the chapter in verse one and start reading. When he got down to verse five, he read right past it. He got down to six and seven and I said, all right, did you see why? And he said, no. I had him read it like five or six times. Yeah. He hit on verse five again. I said, there it is right there, there's your answer. And it says in the classic Amplified, it says, Philip the deacon, Philip the deacon, he wasn't an apostle. He wasn't one of the 12. So I said, I believe that it's not like today's world we live in where people are so loosely beginning to believe that they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they, you know, everything's okay. They don't really know when they received the Spirit, but they got it, you know. And those things really make me uneasy, okay? And the reason is because just like that, they guarded that experience, I believe. They guarded that experience, so nobody messed with that. That is God's anointing coming into a human being, yeah. mm -hmm. God's presence coming into them. And I believe the apostles guarded that, and they watched over that. So Philip wasn't allowed to do it because they, he, did, he, he wasn't one of the leaders, okay? And now you can interpret that any way you want. I, I believe, personally, that they had the apostles come down, they laid hands on them, got them filled with the Holy Spirit, and when they did, they all began to speak in other tongues. Mm -hmm. Again, <clears throat> that's why I believe that took place the way it did. If you get one an answer, it's right there in the Bible, that Philip was a deacon, so he didn't handle that part. But he had all the power of God that he wanted to get the lame healed and the sick and everybody else, you know, and he's casting out devils. But when it came to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, they guarded that. They watched over that very carefully because no mockery should get in there because we're talking about the presence of the God that created the heavens and the earth, yeah. trying to create people into an image and likeness of him. And it's not nothing to play with. And I like to be very careful with it myself. I don't want people, you know, thinking they received something that they didn't and then go out and get beat up by devils, you know. Yeah, yeah. So if it's not thorough, I don't like to put a release on it personally. Yeah. Okay. After people are baptized, do you find like it's hard for people to reconcile the fact that all of those sins are forgiven and forgotten? Well, first of all, I think that that's overlooked sometimes, that it's forgotten. Mm -hmm. Like thrown into the sea of forgetfulness as far as God is concerned. But it, do you find that even with yourselves, like, is it hard to reconcile sharing your testimony and illustrating to people how bad it was and how far yeah. you've come? Yeah, you really have to not glorify the sin. Well, you know, there again, I, I can't tell you how many times we'll come back and keep going over things because you have to go back over that in Romans 6, Okay. Because Romans 6 talks about the death of a person when they get baptized. Jesus Christ died on that cross for every individual person. And the covenant that we cut is him telling us symbolically, you have to join me. You have to die your own death. I did it on the cross for you so you don't have to go to a cross, a bloody cross, and die the way I did. But you have to join me 
symbolically, and you have to agree to die to the flesh. Because he said, I died for your sins on the cross. Yeah. I paid the price. But you've got to come into covenant with me and die to them symbolically, spiritually, die to those sins. If you don't literally do it, then you're not in that contract. You have to be sincere. I tell people, if you're sincere in your repentance, you're sincere in your baptism, he'll definitely fill you with the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. because that's his part. Acts 2, 38 says, if you repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus, you shall be. Not could be, might be. You shall be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's God's job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like praying for somebody to come back from the dead. None of us can do that. But our instructions are to pray for people that they can be raised from the dead. God's job is to fulfill that, put life back into them. Yeah. I can't put life in them. No, no other man could. Mm -hmm. But God can. The Father can do it. Baptism's no different. If you're sincere in what you're doing, you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, just like they did in the Bible. And you will speak in other tongues because it's a part of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's the evidence being shown to humanity, evidence for the unbelievers, that you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I listened to a man of, uh, in his mid to late 90s on uh, TBN one night, and Matt Crouch asked him, he said, what stops people from getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And that old man started ministering at 12 years old, and he's in his 90s, and he says, it's never changed my whole life. My whole entire life, it's always been the same. Fear of man. Yeah. Yeah. They fear man more than they fear the God that's calling them. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, amen. That's what happens. That's written so clearly in the Bible, the steps of salvation. And if people don't do it, it's because they fear somebody around them more than they fear God himself. Because the instructions are there. Go back to Matthew. Jesus asked that question. Can you drink the cup that comes before you? Can you be baptized, in, baptized in my baptism? That question goes to every person that picks up a Bible and reads it. If they want to ignore it, get a Bible that doesn't say it, that's up to them. But it's not going to annihilate it. It's not going to make it go away. The question still stays there. And as far as your question is, Chrissy, my, my, my effort is to keep going back over until all of a sudden a light comes on yeah it clicks and a revelation hits them and that they're dead to that now they're dead mm -hmm. and when you go back over romans 6 over and over and over and over until people get that light come on and i keep re re rehearsing the same thing over and over reiterating it a dead person a dead person cannot be tempted you take the worst alcoholic you ever seen in your life laying in a coffin take a bottle of whiskey and drizzle it in their mouth try to raise them from the dead that was the thing they lived for they breathed for it yeah they had to have that alcohol otherwise they couldn't take the next day yet they lay there dead mm -hmm. and you take that alcohol dump it in their throat you can't move a dead person with the temptation of more sin yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and you can't take a, a person that chain smoked light a cigarette and stick it in their lips in the coffin they will not take a hit on that cigarette because they're dead. They can't even be tempted by it. They're dead. And the emphasis on the baptism of the flesh is to die 
to sin to the degree that it cannot be ever tempted with it again. And over and over and over, we keep coming back to that because people have to understand that to move forward. And if you're going to come in in Christ, in Christ, he's not going to share a temple with devils. And they have to be dead to those things, just like he died for them on the cross. They have to symbolically do this to get into that blood covenant. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't even realize that because they've never been taught. I will tell you this, that these classes that I do, I had a young guy say to me, he said, hey, will you do Bible studies with me? I said, sure. And he was working at the music store under my wife's supervision. And he was 21, maybe, at that time. And I said, sure. So he started coming to my house on Thursday night. And I didn't tell him what we were studying, but I took him through the class without suggesting to him we're studying baptism. I didn't say it. (coughs) And I started leading him through these scriptures, and he's doing all the reading. And about the fifth or sixth time we met, he was in the middle of reading a passage, and all of a sudden he says, I have to get baptized. And I said, really? And he said, yes. According to the Word of God, i got to get baptized. And he's really getting excited. And he said, would you officiate it? And I said, of course I would. And I said, okay. And I said, when do you want to do it? He said, I'll let you know. And we continued the classes. And right up until we were finished with them. And now it's in the dead of summer and hot, you know. He called me up. And he said, I know when I'm getting baptized. And I said, how do you know? He said, I'm watching the Weather Channel. And he picked the hottest day of the week. And I said, where do you want to get baptized? Altoona Beach. I said, okay. So he had six or seven friends with him when we met him at the park. And my wife and myself, we walked up there, and he's playing guitar and singing some songs. And he said, I want to testify before I get baptized. I said, okay. We stood there almost an hour. And I'm thinking, you know, when are you going to give your testimony? And... Pretty soon, after about an hour, he says, well, am I getting baptized or not? And I said, I'm waiting on you. He said, well, let's do it. So everybody jumps up, and they're walking along a trail, and and you're looking way down a hill at the beach. And his best friend was walking next to him. I was behind him. And his friend said, where are you going to get baptized? And he said, right out there. And he pointed out in the middle of the beach where all the people were. There had to be two to 300 people out there swimming. And he said, right in the middle of all them people? He says, I can't think of a better place. It was like Jesus Revolution. And he says, uh, and nobody's seen that movie at that time. No. <laughs> and we, we got going down the hill, and we walked right dead center in all the people. And we got out there waist deep in water. And I'm telling you, I was not dressed for swimming. I had shoes on, I had pants on. <laughs> and we got out there and I started giving him instructions on what I was going to do and he said what about my testimony and I said oh okay I said I thought you were going to do it at the picnic table no no he said then my baptism I said go for it and he throws his hands over his mouth like a megaphone and he starts screaming I want everybody on the beach to pay attention to this he said I'm dying today to sin and dying into the covenant with Jesus Christ for my, my salvation and and people started filtering out of the water yeah and he's screaming <laughs> Freak everybody this. out and they're screaming it you know and he goes and gives this big long testimony and by the time he got finished there was like two or three people still in the water and 
I gave him the instructions, and I baptized him. And when he come up out of the water shouting glory, the whole <laughs> beach bust into a big applause. Wow. Yeah. You know, and I thought, this is one of the best, best baptisms I've ever officiated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, watching this crowd just, you know, listen to this testimony of him dying to sin yeah. and being resurrected in newness of life before Jesus. Yeah. You know, and that's what people have to have. Now, the reason I tell that story is this. I never told him I was taking men to baptism. Mm -hmm. The word spoke for itself. Yeah. If people get taught where to read and read it for what it says, they get the revelation. Yeah. But you don't have to tell them. You can let the word work, okay? It will work. The word has a drawing power and a light in it. Oh, absolutely. It's alive. Yes. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, I heard a man say... Um, even even the Bible being the you know the number one bestseller for hundreds of years, um, he said it's the only book where the author shows up and gives confirmation every time you read. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, with with what Christina asked too, I find when it comes to giving personal testimonies. Um, the farther away from the day I was delivered and set free I get, um, the less I want to talk about the gory details of who that man was and the more convicted I get when I try and add detail. But I've also noticed that in the last 15 years, God's done so much that I have um, new manna. You know, he, he's constantly, like this morning at church, we watched two women, through a word of knowledge, both get instant back healings in service. Mm -hmm. And I love to be there and be hands-on because I look at their body language, their eyes, I look at their countenance. I can tell if somebody's faking or still in pain. I don't quit praying until you're healed or you lie to me and you tell me you're healed. Mm -hmm. So I can tell the difference. Now, I'm not out here trying to get people to lie. But when God says he'll do something, he'll do it. So I'm going to agree and, and, and lend my faith to whoever's in front of me to see that manifest presence of God. Because it's nothing to do with me. It's to do with him and him giving them uh, confirmation to who he is in their life and how present he is. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, who knows tomorrow I might be in a living room of somebody and get to share how I watched two people from different walks of life both receive healing in a church service yesterday. You know, that's amazing. But there is still times where he puts me in a place where I have to share my testimony of being delivered from drugs and alcohol and pornography <coughs> and all that stuff. Um, when it comes to giving that testimony, uh, I try to be very careful because the flesh always wants to let people know just how bad things were. Um, people tend to identify. I think it was you one time you were talking about Kenneth Copeland or somebody in a meeting talking about how every time he'd mention the physical situation of this man he wanted the church to pray for. Oh, brother so-and-so's 
mm-hmm. in the hospital and all the whole churches oh and he's really bad oh we gotta pray for this brother yes we do oh well the, the worse he made him sound the yeah. more response he got from the crowd yeah so he's talking up his illness to get a backing yeah and then did kenneth copeland walked out of the meeting he said he couldn't take it anymore but he went to the hospital to visit the man and he walked in and when they locked eyes he said oh kenneth i thought i was going to die this morning he said around 10 o'clock it got so bad it got so bad he said the devil was taking me out and he said yeah i already know because it was the same time he was pumping these people to talk about his illness yeah. and yeah. building it up and building it up and building it up. So he went up, laid hands on him, prayed for him, and got rid of that. Yeah. yeah, so it was another minister talking about the man's illness. He was in the meeting, mm-hmm. listening, got up and left. Yeah. But I, I feel like that happens. Like even in me giving my testimony, it's like people really want the grit and the details. Um, last Sunday, we had a man from my past attend church and he attended this Sunday as well and my heart leapt I mean when I say like my heart took a jump I saw you physically react when you saw him uh-huh. like teary cry and you hugged for a long time like you didn't want to let go like he probably felt a little weird about it <laughs> <laughs> they were both crying I know they were <laughs> he's crying now he's crying right now yeah well, it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful thing, but you know, it, it it the thing about it is, we have a tendency to not want to talk about that back in the past because we've gained so much knowledge in Christ, mm-hmm. in Christ, mm-hmm. in Christ. The Bible repeatedly says we'll accomplish things in Christ, not knowing about Him, but we have to be in Him. He has to be in us. You know, and that's where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. You get that baptism of water for the remission of your sins to annihilate them because God's not going to come into a filthy temple and try to live there. That dead man has to be brought back mm-hmm. spiritually. Yeah. Okay? So when, when we have something like that happen, and it's so, it's so out of this world in, in soulish thinking that there's a miracle take place, you know, I, I was seeking the baptism myself for a long time, and the reason was I couldn't forgive myself for so many things that I was had done, and I I was crying out to God one night, and He told me, you know, and you know back then I remember people saying God does not talk to sinners, you know, <laughs> you want to get you want to talk to God, you got to be saved, you know, and I thought to myself, how do the people get saved then? <laughs> Yeah. If God doesn't talk to him. Yeah, you're you know. drawn by the Holy Spirit. But I was I was curled up in a ball on the floor, and I, I cried until I had no tears to come out anymore. And I wanted the Holy Spirit so bad. And I, I you know, the God spoke to me, you know, and it was like one thirty in the morning. Crucify the old man. And I'm telling you, the only thing I was reading in the Bible was Romans 6. And it went over and over and over. And immediately I turned around and I told the pastor of the church, I said, I got to get baptized. Oh, he'd jumping for joy. And he ran out and got one of those metal watering tanks for animals. And he brought it into Star the house. Tank. And he filled it up with water. And the next service, I went in there to get baptized. And I'm telling you, I wanted to die to self so bad. I just couldn't wait. 
And then a little girl said, I want to go first. <laughs> I wanted to pick her up and carry her out of the house. <laughs> but, I, you know, I called myself, <laughs> and I waited until she got baptized and got out of the way. And I'm telling you, I got in that tank. And I said to the Lord inside, because everybody was all giddy, because, you know, I'm getting baptized. And yeah. they knew my past. They knew my background, you know. My mother-in-law couldn't stand the thought I was alive, you know. And... I handed her my cigarettes. I started to talk to God in my heart, and I said, Lord, I'm going to die tonight. I am going to die. And I said, I am not coming back, only in a newness of life in you. That's the only way it's possible. I said, I don't want to live anymore. And when they baptized me, the first thing I noticed when I come up was a big lump in my throat was there from smoking. And immediately I took a swallow, and it wasn't there. Come on. And I was physically healed. Yeah. And then when I got out of that tank, she handed me back them cigarettes. I had a brand new pack of them. And I thought, of all the people in the world, she handed them back. I would have thought they'd have been shredded. Yeah. But she gave them back to me. But I didn't have a desire in my entire being for a t cigarette. Yeah. Smoking four packs a day, and I'm totally 100% delivered. Yeah. And I thought to myself, this is insane. I always told people for years I would never quit, never quit, never quit. I wasn't going to go put myself through it. And when I got baptized, I did, it was just like I never smoked a cigarette. I didn't have a desire, nothing. And my vocabulary, I didn't need teaching. I just had a conscience now that was no more, no more sin conscious. Mm -hmm. It was only righteous consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, I can't even use a cuss word. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I mean, my my vocabulary was so bad that I always wondered why people never kicked me off their job sites and stuff because it was so out of control. And and I'm standing there, and I thought, my land, I can't even talk because my language was so bad, so terribly bad. And now, just the inward conscience was, you can't talk like that no more. Yeah. Nobody had to tell me. Right. It was the Holy Spirit. Right. The holiness and the purity of God. And my wife immediately found a big old thick dictionary at a thrift sale for a dollar. And she bought it and brought it home to me. And I set it on a desk. And when I'm reading the Bible, I thought every time I looked at something, it seemed like I was opening that dictionary to find the meaning of this or this or this and expanding my vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> And, I, you know, if there were so many changes that, you know, the baptism, when I really knew what I was doing, and when I come up out of that water, and the Bible said in Acts 2.38 that if you're sincerely repented, sincerely baptized, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And my, I'm telling you, after that, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And the night that happened, my mind was trying to be distracted because one of my kids were screaming like they had their arm cut off out in another room. It wasn't me. No, it was. I think it was Brian. <laughs> but <clears throat> we're talking like at 2 in the morning because there was only three people in there besides me. My wife was playing the organ, and the pastor and a 90-year-old man were praying for me. And I had been down on the floor, and I got up on my knees... And I raised my hands up toward heaven, and I was telling God, I, I want this. I want it so bad. 
I don't want to, I don't want to leave here without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the screaming starts in, in the other room. And I started to pull my hands down and turn. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. And I said, you dirty devil, you're not stealing from me. You are not stealing from me. I am not giving up. I'm, I'm going to get the Holy Spirit. And my mind is thinking, there's enough people out there in that room. If he needs to get his arm put back on, somebody can take him to the hospital. <laughs> but I am not walking away from God yeah. until I get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, consciously, I realized tongues were pouring from my spirit out of me, wow. just rolling. And I thought, i just been possessed by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's an experience a lot of people never feel. They right. never get it. But yet, then a lot of places don't make it presentable to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why. <clears throat> you know. So, you know, when you, when you talk about baptism, there's so much confusion as far as I can make out, you know, because of a lack of teaching. But again, you know, when you go into the Bible and you take these different experiences throughout the Word and the seriousness of it, <clears throat> it's a covenant entrance for humanity. The, he did his part. And when he was on the cross, he said, it's finished. I've done everything I'm going to do. Now, <clears throat> you go back to Acts 2.38, and he tells you what to do there. Going down to verse 47. And he said, God added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's what, one verse I make sure people read all the time. I said, such as other people, such as other people. What does that mean? You look up such in the dictionary, it's the same as a replica of what? The people in the beginning, when they repented of their sins, got baptized in Jesus' name, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Mm -hmm. Because that's what happened in the beginning of that chapter, in the first eight verses. Everybody that was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost that gathered up there, it says when a mighty rushing wind came into the building and tongues of fire sat on people, and they all, and I make sure people highlight that, use a highlighter, uh, draw arrows to it, stars around it, all, not some of them, a few of them, a, a section of them, no, every single one of them, they all began to speak in other tongues. And then you go down in verse 47, and it says, And God added to the church daily such as should be saved. Such as what? Such as the ones that just did it. Mm -hmm. The exact pattern was right there. And when you bring people, people to that place, they are sold out. Spirit, soul, and body. Yeah. Spirit, soul, and body. You can't see Pastor Tim right now, but he's fired up. <laughs> he's fired up. <laughs> you know, when when that gentleman walked in, the flesh wanted, you know, to jump up and be like, you know, there's a room full of people that know me for who I am in the church. There's very few other than the pastoral staff in the church that really know where I came from. So all of a sudden I'm thinking there's one person in here right now and then the person who... I had invited him, but this person reached out to him somehow a different way and actually got him to come. Um, I knew that this man had proclaimed that he had a like a Holy Spirit experience in, in, while I was incarcerated this last time. And I'm like, she knows enough about me now through being friends with him to know where I come from. Mm-hmm. This man has had quite a bit of experience with me, with that guy. 
um, immediately you want to jump up and be like, wow, everybody, you guys should all take notice right now. All these crazy stories I've been telling you for 15 years, all these crazy testimonies, that guy right there can attest to and he can testify to seeing and being a part of the crazy that I try to explain that God brought me out of. And the Holy Spirit told me, and now is not the time to spotlight anything like that. Mm. Now is not the time. So he had given me a word. I got up. We shared the word. Uh, God did some amazing things in that service. But it was really interesting to me how God spoke to my spirit, calmed me down, and, and, and had to tell me this is not the place for that. I didn't bring him here so that you guys could highlight how bad of guys you used to be. Yeah. Because the work's not done yet. It can be self-indulgent to a certain degree. Oh, it degree. can. Yeah. And people feed off of that, and they'll get excited for that. Well, if these two, you know, the Scripture says when one who's, you know, an especially bad sinner uh, gives his heart to the Lord, all of heaven takes notice, right? So we're all that guy. Like, you are, in your opinion, worse than everybody around you. You know what's, I've talked about this, but it's, it's a, it can be a hindrance to people that don't have yeah. that type of a testimony to think like, well, I can't witness hmm. because I don't, these people aren't going to believe that I can, I can help bring them out of something that I've never experienced. Yeah. Well, I, I want to adjust that right now. I was going to give you the opportunity. It was a bump, set, spike. Because I used this testimony many times, all right? Mm -hmm. And that is a pastor that walked out into a church. And I was watching, and he said, who had a better testimony? Nikki Cruz, who was one of the biggest gang leaders in New York, and one of the first violent gang leaders that New York ever experienced, or... David Wilkerson and David Wilkerson was born into a Christian home and David Wilkerson was called on by God to go get Nikki Cruz saved so he's asking the question who had a bigger testimony and he gave a time of silence and then he said I believe that Nikki Cruz or uh, David Wilkerson has the greatest testimony and he said I'll tell you why he said he was born into a Christian home received Christ when he was very young and he stayed in the purity and the holiness of God his mm -hmm. whole life. So his testimony is this. When God called on him to go get Nikki Cruz saved, he said, how can I do that? And he said, throw your TV away. Mm. And he said, every bit of minutes and hours you spent watching that, you come and communicate with me. So his wife came into the room. He can said, you imagine in this day and age with Netflix? So and your he, phones. He, yeah. So his wife walked in the room. And he said, I have to go throw the TV in the dumpster. And she said, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, God just told me. And she said, well, if you know it was God, you better do what you're told. <laughs> so he took the TV, unplugged it, took it out, smashed it in the dumpster, and he come back in. She said, why did he tell you to do that? He said, I have to go get Nikki Cruz saved. <laughs> Wow. And she said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> wow. She said, he kills people. <laughs> she said, he said, yeah. <clears throat> but he said, I'm going tonight. 
And he started spending all that time that he did watching TV mm-hmm. communing with God mm-hmm. until the night he told him, he said, no, go get him. Wow. Oh, I got goosies. Yeah, he, he like lost his shoes the, the first time he walked into that hood. The, the thing is, that guy asked a perfect question. Who mm-hmm. has a greater testimony? Yeah. You know, and I, I had to agree with him, you know, because he he got in the purity of God and never left it. Absolutely. Well, and you, that is a powerful testimony absolutely. to be able to tell people, you know. Yeah. To but, have enough gull to stay in righteousness and not just fall to sin, absolutely yeah. that's the greater testimony. Jesus says that. He says um, the the faith of the one who doesn't have to see signs and wonders. They don't need that affirmation. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a world right now that preaches affirmation. Affirm what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Prove to me through your acceptance that I'm okay here. And Jesus said the the faith that doesn't need the sign or the wonder or the faith that doesn't need the miracle. You know, you keep asking me to do more miracles, but the faith that, that someone has without that is greater. Um, that's That's... In the modern day church, you know, we 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 either become seeker sensitive and we seek to look like the world uh, and to blend in, or we seek the radical miraculous, where we really stand out, but then we become seekers of the gift instead of the gift giver. And what we really need is to be so saturated with the presence of the gift giver and in relationship with him that those those the, the word says those signs will follow those that believe mm-hmm. they'll they'll just be things that are now a confirmation to what we're saying they're not something that we're seeking or trying to prove through they're just going to confirm like your desires show what your God is. And yeah. it's easy for people to get caught up in the power and the authority and the the giftings. Yeah. And they start to seek the gift more than they seek God himself. And I've, I've always felt strongly that you need to be, he'll follow through always. And mm-hmm. like, he'll, he'll give all, all those things freely. But you have to keep him at the center. Yeah. When when we prayed today, um, when I first got up and shared what God put on my heart, and then Heidi got up and shared in in ministry during worship, mm-hmm. we went back to our seats, and then uh, in more worship, I had gotten the the word of knowledge about the back pain way before. Mm-hmm. And I questioned it, and then I got up and spoke. And then I thought, maybe that's not for today. Maybe that was just something, you know, fleshly. Maybe my back hurts. Right. Right. And then and then it didn't... And then I was holding a baby. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this baby's heavy. <laughs> like... <laughs> Maybe I'm the holding the baby, you know, maybe so the, like maybe the baby is making my back hurt. But now that we're talking, it was kind of replaying through my mind. And it was like, man, 
when I did go back up there, then God did three different things. The little boy whose one leg was like, what, a quarter of an inch shorter, adjusted or grew up. I forgot about that. Yep. And then we prayed for his back, but we prayed for the two ladies first. Mm -hmm. The first one got super excited because she felt the pain go. She couldn't even believe it. She's like, why didn't I ask sooner? And then the second one, um, she she didn't have the pain that was called out. She had a pain, but she just walked up and she's like, since the Lord's moving. So we just prayed there until until she lost it. Like she got giddy and happy. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't even ask if, if it's gone because I could see it was gone. Yeah. yeah. And then we were about to go back to our seats. And that's when the, the little child came up. And I thought the mother was going to receive prayer. I thought so too. Um, when, when I prayed for him and I kept uh, asking God to heal him, his his pain did go down in the back, but he like he didn't walk out of there jumping up and down saying he got a miracle, you know. But that didn't sway my faith either. So I just I accepted that, and I could feel a release in the spirit realm. So I believe that throughout yeah. the rest of the day and tonight, he'll wake up tomorrow completely healed. Yeah, especially after now that he's going to walk through the rest of the day with his legs being the same length. Yeah. You know, so, but those, those little signs and wonders, those things that God just did probably brought confirmation to somebody in that room of what the words were that were spoken. And then all that prepared their heart to hear the word when pastor got up. Yeah. So when they, when he finally got up and spoke, you had hungry hearts. You had people that had just, they just had their hors d'oeuvres. It was a good message, too. You missed out. I got to be in children's church. Mm-hmm. Praise God for children's pastors. <laughs> because you guys, I will go to Nikki Cruz. <laughs> I will go pray hey. for a, a murdering drug dealer any day. I fed a toddler an entire banana. You know, that really got you. He stopped that, in the middle of my thing, and he's like, he just ate an entire banana. He was, was like holding the empty peel. It was huge. <laughs> they say your stomach's the size of your fist. This kid's fist is tiny. That <laughs> banana was like three times the size of his. And then he ate Cheetos. And like, his parents are in so much trouble today. He's Bananas give you energy. Person. Then he ate Cheetos. Then he ate like part of a donut and part of a muffin. Where was he getting this stuff? And he's just a skinny <laughs> little guy. And I'm like, this kid is not going to sleep tonight between all the sugar and You're the like, I don't know. He, he did. He I'm did walk away though. Night. Like Joe walked away, and he was like, Joe, <gasps> Joe. Oh, stop. Yeah. Hey, um, quickly, as we wrap up, Pastor Tim. You don't have a class going currently. Is this an enrollment period for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can provide contact info for you if people want to. Are you willing to do it over Zoom? Because we have uh, listeners all over the United States and in like 17 different countries. Oh. So. Whatever you think is best. We can help them. 
get it figured out if people want to go through baptism classes. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, and then between Joe and I, which one of us is your favorite, would you say? <laughs> you know, the Not, one, hey, the one that dad loves. <clears throat> Not to like put you on the spot or anything. Oh, I, I would, I would say, you know, because you're we're, not even him. We're <laughs> very different. Let him. Say, I want to hear what he says. Don't put ideas. Did you hear what he said? Ignore I'm trying what to he protect said. you. He's gonna say, "I love you both in different ways." What was your question? I'm gonna record my name. I guess <laughs> I'd have to say that my favorite is, and then I'm gonna use AI, and it's gonna say, "Yeah, Christina <laughs> yeah, or Carlos." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it in, and I'm gonna bleep it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do you think his favorite is? That's funny. That's how you want to end with a question like that? No, we're going to have you just pray a blessing over the people that God would stir their hearts. If they if they have any question or if they're plagued by things of the past, post-baptism, that God would either give them sound mind in their repentance so that they can move forward without being um, tormented with that, or that they would seek out a deeper relationship. And like Heidi and I, we this last time we got baptized, it moved us into a different place where we weren't any longer entertaining those thoughts of whether or not we were forgiven. Um, baptism is a much deeper, deeper, deeper spiritual thing that people give it credit for. Yeah. And when they don't give it that credit, they walk out soaking wet, and that's all I can say. Mm. Yeah. Because if you don't look to the supernatural for it, you get what you ask for. Yeah. And the Bible doesn't say anything like that. It 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 is a a contract with God Himself yeah. that you are agreeing to. And this is what I said this morning as I started out. The men that wrote the ESV Bible, which is a good Bible. 360 pastors, teachers, uh, rabbis, theologians got together, 360 of them, and they wrote the ESV Bible. And this is what they say in it, in the beginning of the Bible. There's very, 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 now this is their conclusion after all getting together and studying all that time, putting this Bible together. Very, 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 There's very, twelve varies. very few. Literally spiritual christians in the world mm -hmm. the rest of them are soulish mm -hmm. it's only in their mind because they've never made a connection with god wow. and they're mentally serving god that means they know who he is and they know about him but they have no relationship with him wow. that was their conclusion and i'm saying that's serious mm -hmm. but they're all theologians pastors teachers you know, rabbis, that as they got done studying the word in a unit, they didn't think there's very many spiritual Christians in the world. Mm. And that's scary. But it's biblical also. Because the Bible says there's only a quarter of the people that hear the word, the seed of the word, manifest any fruit with it. Mm. Three quarters of them let it die. Mm -hmm. That's not very good odds. Right. 
Bible says straight is the way and narrow is the gate, and very, very few people find their way through it. Come on. So when you take biblical writings, it supports that very thought that these men had. Mm -hmm. And that's why my heart goes out to people to become more spiritual than they are flesh and blood. Come on. Flesh and blood's never going to inherit the kingdom. The Bible tells us that. What's going to inherit the kingdom is flesh and spirit. You have to have that bud covering of Christ to get into the kingdom. And a lot of people don't have it. Father, we just hope and we pray that people will hear this. It will minister to their souls and their spirits to turn over their life to you in your total protection. There's no other place to go. We have only one place, and that's our Heavenly Father, through the door of the Christ. That's the only way we can get there, to take the words of Christ, the ministry of Christ, get it applied to our spirit, soul, and body, that we can enter the doors of heaven. And there's a judgment day coming, and Father, we pray that as many people as possible will hear this word, take it serious, and want to make heaven their home because everything is temporal in this realm some die younger than others but we all die someday and we either die and our destiny is decided at that point heaven or hell and we want to know when we go into that sleep the next time we wake up we'll be going to glory with you father i just pray for all the ears that hear this that they will make a, a, a spiritual connection with you to learn more about you in a deeper way than they've ever known you before because we know the depths and the heights of your love for humanity and you wrote all this for them and for us and we give you praise and thanks for the audience that's out there in jesus name amen 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 Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We are so blessed to have the privilege to share with you. If you haven't already, please connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us by searching at The Real King Podcast. That's at T-H-E Real King Podcast. The Real King Podcast is recorded in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It is hosted by Joe and Heidi King, who are joined each week by Christina Santamaria as a moderator and contributor. It is produced and edited by Joe and Heidi King and Carlos and Christina Santamaria. All content is under copyright and all rights are reserved.